Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. fans it's another episode of once to watch series three episode number four today's episode we're speaking to 2-0 prospect from wales jordan withers now we're going to be talking to jordan about his career his journey through boxing he's only 19 years old so there isn't a great big story to tell here but there is some interesting bits of information from jordan about his life about his transition into boxing, about the potential and the route he could have gone down as a fighter and the route he's chosen to go down as a fighter and also, as always, about the struggles of being a young professional boxer and what it's like to try and get yourself on the map. Before we do all that, of course, please go and check us out on social media at Once to Watch Pod on Twitter and the Facebook page, as always, is BTR Boxing Podcast. Subscribe on any platform available. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Player FM. We're everywhere on social media and in the podcasting world. So, this is it. Episode number four of Ones to Watch with Jordan Withers. Oh, Jordan, it's great to get you on our Ones to Watch series. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us. Let's get to know a little bit more about you. Yeah, great. <laughs> I'm Jordan Withers. I'm 19 years of age. I'm from uh, Rhonda in, in South Wales. And then... Um, this one's to watch series, Jordan. It's all about you telling your story to 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 the listeners and and finding out a little bit more about you. And obviously, you've said you're 19 years of age. You're quite young. You're quite new in your professional yeah. career. But I want to take it back to the beginning with you, and I want to find out what it was that got you involved in boxing. Well, I started kickboxing when I was when I was four. I'd um, kickboxing for about six six years. My two older brothers was. Uh, world champion kickboxer so kind of been doing contact sports for uh, all my life and um, I think I turned over to boxing when I was about 10 
and um, just been doing boxing ever since. <laughs> what was that transition like then from kickboxing to boxing? It was different, like, because kickboxing, you can't, you're using your legs, like, so <laughs> just had to take out that and just just use my hands. But I was, I was always good with my hands in kickboxing. I thought it, I thought it was a no-brainer, really, going into it. Did you find that the, the the methods of training were slightly different? You know the oh, the, way you, the way you have to pivot your body as well. A hundred percent is like running stuff like that. Everything's just different compared to, especially I was a kid as well back then, so it was all different. So what was it like going into a boxing gym then for the first time? Given that you'd already had experience uh, in in contact sport, just like just like second nature, really, just walking into. Someone's ready to train and straight to just fight like that's what that's what my mentality was back then. So when you was kickboxing, did you ever compete in any of the tournaments? Yeah, I am. Um, I competed for I done I think I was three time British champion. I think it was something like that. Well, I just just loved it. So there's always like a competitive nature about you then when oh, you transitioned yeah, over. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so boxing then, let's talk about it a little bit more and talk about your, your journey through it. So you, you you went into boxing around about 10 years old. You've been in the gym yeah. ever since. And obviously the transition is it's not too much of a difficult one. You know, anybody that, that is in contact sport knows that there's a few little changes, but ultimately it's all about dedicating yourself to the sport to get to where you want to go. So when you started boxing, what was it like doing skills bouts? Did you get any skills bouts and any amateur um, career? Yeah, my I had my first skills bout when I was ten, and um, I think the ref had to hold me back a bit, like because I was just just head down, just straight in, <laughs> straight down as a, as a, as I was like, and um, I just totally different compared to anything. And at the time, I was playing rugby as well, so. I was playing rugby and doing boxing at the same time, so it was different. It was. So, did you ever did you ever get the temptation when you started boxing when you were doing the skills house to just throw a roundhouse in randomly? Oh, did you ever yeah. get that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely thought about it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's um, what's what's the amateur side of the sport been like for you then? I had about 70, 70 amateur fights. I did. I boxed, boxing two European championships. I um. I think I've done three British British championships. I won f- six or five Welsh titles, a British title. I think I lost about 13 fights in it or 14 fights as an amateur. So it sounds like you had a pretty, pretty decent amateur yeah. career then, by all accounts. Yeah, it sounds like it's been yeah, pretty good. good for you. Last, last going off, I was living down in Cardiff on the Commerce Games team, ready for the 2022 Commerce Games. But then I just didn't really, it weren't for me, like, so I turned over. So what what wasn't for you when it came to that? Was it was it the way it works? Was it the, the, the um, regimented style just, of it? It was just the way they they was living down there. Like it's just everything. It was like it was like school. We were earning um, pennies compared to what they was earning, and we was training four five four times a day, just putting your body through well, just for just for a medal really, and just for them to kind of criticise you. And I just didn't like it to be honest. So that's where you obviously made that decision then to, yeah. to turn over uh, as a professional, and that was last year, last September. You turned over as a professional and yeah. had your first fight. So talk me through what the experience was like from the moment you 
got in the back in the changing rooms to getting wrapped up to getting gloved up and then to coming out oh, it's surreal really like you kind of leaving that way getting rid of the tickets stuff like that all, all your family your friends coming to support you and then it kind of kicks in when you're sitting there putting the the professional wraps on where they pad your hands up and then I'm just thinking wow like and then you walk out to your, to music I don't know it was a small uh, hall but it felt like I was walking out in, into a massive stadium the amount of people were shouting it was, it was best feeling in my life and what about the fight itself then how did you how did you find that the first time going in as a professional oh it's it's different because like, I I'd got in the ring and from the first shot they caught him with, he was just he just running for the old fight. They just it's different, there. Uh, plus, he was an extra winner as an amateur. You talked about ticket selling. Uh, obviously, that is a a key part of becoming a professional boxer, especially when yeah. you're boxing in the in the home corner as well. And obviously, you've got to sell so many tickets to at least cover the cost of that opponent. How did you find that the first time? Oh, it was, it was hard, really. Like, Compared to as an amateur, you just turn up and fight like this time. You had to put get rid of tickets. You had to ask people just constantly. Like you, it's hard really because you you're tired and you after sessions and then you just want to relax. But you can't. You have to get out get out and sell tickets. It's stressful time. Like, <laughs> and uh, are you are you working as well as as being a professional boxer? No, I don't. I don't work. I don't. I live live at home. My mother and father. So do they help you, you know, oh, financially? Yeah, they, they yeah, they help me massively, really. I think without them, I couldn't do it. Like, well, it's a big part of it, and I say this a lot to every fighter that I speak to at a similar level to yourself. Where obviously some of them will go out to work and juggle a family, or some of them will be like yourself, quite young and and still live at home and have the benefit of living at home to be able to become a professional yeah. boxer. And and obviously, like you said yourself, it's hard trying to get them tickets out there, trying to get your name out there. And you go into yeah. you, you got into your second professional fight at the back end of last year. Did you find any differences between the two in terms of oh. you know selling the tickets and how it all worked for you? Massively, it was like the time of year. It was a month, month for Christmas, so you had families give it, trying to get the best Christmas for the kids, and and it was hard to sell tickets. I couldn't even give them away. Some of them, it was, it was so stressful. People were saying, "I can't, I can't afford it, I can't." And plus, it was in the middle of nowhere, so it was hard really to to sell them. Like, well, that seems to be um, <laughs> that seems to be the kind of the area you live in obviously you know wales as a whole yeah, exactly. some some places are quite remote aren't they and obviously when you've oh, got yeah. when you've got to travel as, as a fight fan you know thinking about it from a fight fan's perspective you've got to kind of travel a certain distance to get to a place where you've got to pay so much for a ticket to go and see the fight but obviously you've got a lot of friends and family that are there that are supporting you and it's about you trying to build up the profile and the platform to be able to get more people interested in in what you do because over the past 18 months to 24 months there's been some really good boxers that have been coming out of Wales that we've had on this particular show before and, and obviously some of them have gone on to do to do really good things that you know I mentioned to yourself before Gavin Gwynn was the one of them who went on to fight Joe Cardina you know in a great fight so there's there's a lot of hope for for the Welsh fighters out there to yeah. really put themselves Welsh, out Welsh there. Welsh boxing at the moment is, is booming like there's a lot of good talent coming through so it's thriving at the moment. 
And there's obviously a lot more shows I'm noticing, a lot more small horse shows that are being put on now. You've got sort of promoters coming over from, from England. You've got Mo Pryor obviously doing some shows over uh, in, in Swansea and Cardiff. And then obviously you've got Sanagar uh, events doing their stuff with, with Chris and Jamie doing their stuff over there. So it's, yeah. it's great with, with what they're doing. But for you... As a fighter now, as a professional, you're two and zero. You know you're looking at going into your third professional fight, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But what things have you learned so far that you can take into the build-up for your third professional fight in terms of how you're going to put yourself out there and how are you going to get rid of them tickets? You know to kind of get people in seats to be able to cover the cost of that opponent. It's just kind of get it done early and keep promoting myself on social media and everything like. Could do like I done stuff last time, like going down, take ten tickets down your local rugby club and say, "Oh, get we'll help you get rid of these or something," or just like you give them to my brothers and say, "Yeah, I'll get try and help me get rid of things again." It's, it's it helps massively, yeah. So I think I'm gonna try and get myself out there a bit more this time. It's just all for the best. Like <laughs> you only had two professional fights. Have you got any sponsors on board as yet? Yeah, I got a few sponsors on board. Okay, and them particular sponsors, do you want to give give them a shout out and obviously let them know and let the listeners know who they are and who's supporting you? I got MN Body Coach, I got WCK Kickboxing Club, Pitstop Garage, um P Group, Triple Crown Garage, Bailey's Burgers and LCL. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, a big shout out to all them sponsors because obviously, as we've been speaking about, and anyone that listens to the show knows when I've spoke to different fighters, knows how important it is for local businesses to be sponsoring you and, and helping you get to that next level because without them and the support of your family and your friends, of course, it would be very, very difficult to get your professional career off the ground. So it's really good to hear that you have got that support behind you and and obviously you again I'll say it again you are really young you're only 19 years age of age and obviously people have got to remember that that you you've got to nurture your career and, and obviously get the right fights for yourself and it's so early on for yourself so yeah during that's, that's a massive part because it money young now is it's trying to hold me back now because it, it's I got plenty of years left and there's no point rushing me and everything so when you when you decided to get into boxing and you decided to turn over because you you know the Commonwealth Games really wasn't for you. No. What what did you set your sights on then? What did you set your sights on in terms of ambitions for boxing? I just want to be the just leave a footprint really in, in boxing and just try and be the best best I can be. I see the likes of good talents like Liam Williams and I think I'm coming up the ranks now and I'll hopefully follow his footsteps. Hopefully in a few years' time and be um, aim at the British title and then move forward then to world title or something like that. It's good to set goals and everything like that. Absolutely. For you, obviously, you've got so much time in your hands to, to be able to develop that side of your career and obviously develop your, your, the, the business side of your career to be able to get yourself out there and, and pushing yourself onto these shows. So it is very important for, for anybody that listens to, to, to the interview that... You know, they do get in touch with you and they do purchase tickets off you and, and obviously they do support you. So if there's anybody in obviously the local area that, that wants to get in touch with you, how did, how did he do that? How did he get hold of you to be able to get tickets from you? On my social media, really, I got my my name on, on Facebook. It's John Withers. Instagram is John Withers 16. 
And then Twitter is Joe Mills 15 on Twitter, so you can just contact me on any any one of them social medias. So I was talking a little bit earlier about you working and if you did any work outside of the ring. Now, obviously, at the moment, you don't, but you've got a good support to be able to substantiate your boxing career. But let's just talk a little bit more about you then, really. We've talked about a little bit about your journey through boxing and from kickboxing to boxing and obviously where you're at at the moment. But what 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 do you do outside of boxing? Is it just eat, sleep, boxing, repeat? Or is it, you know, you do other things, you've got a, another life outside of boxing that people might want to want to know about that might be interested in getting to know you a bit more about i just just like spending time with just going out and just spending time with my family and everything i used to used to do a lot of sports when i, when I was younger in the amateur side when i was when i was a kid i used to just i used to do every sport it was really i was rugby mma jiu-jitsu football everything. i just used to love everything like that <laughs> There's a lot of prospects coming through at the moment in in boxing in general from from England, Wales, and Scotland, and obviously Ireland as well. And you know you're you're a, you're a big part of of that going forward and and the progression of this sort of next decade of of what we're going to see different events and potential pay per view events down the line. For for you now, 2020, what do you what do you essentially want to do this year in terms of the number of fights you want to be involved in? I'd hopefully look at about three to four fights this year, and then next year, and hopefully go for a Welsh title then next year. Because I'm only only two and now now, and I'll be going for a third fight in late March now. So hopefully, it'll be about six and now, maybe six seven and now by the end of this year. So let's talk a little bit about that fight. Then you've got a fight coming up at the end of March. What's the date for it? Twenty uh, eighth of March is in uh, Swansea in the LC Two Arena. Oh, brilliant. So that's great. Uh, obviously, I'm assuming you don't have an opponent announced for it. No, uh, it'll be, be announced no I haven't got any opponent yet. Okay, but at this stage of your career, you know, you, you're going to be fighting guys that are, are experienced fighters that are in the away corner most of the time that are going to come to, to give you a little bit of a test, you know, as, as the fights go by and, and, and try and learn something new in there and, yeah. and the, the first couple of fights that you've had when you've been in there do you feel like you've learned something new oh definitely like my from my first fight to the second it was completely different opposition like the first one hardly threw at me really but the second one i thought oh, i'd be the same as the first i can't first two shots the boy threw he went to take my head off <laughs> i thought ah oh, here we go and I went, and then he's that boy, he's had, I think, about 80 odd fights. He's never been dropped, never been stopped. And I dropped him in the third round. It was the first ever boy to do that. And he fought the likes of Ted Cheeseman. It's got great, great boys in Britain. Like. You fought Victor Edgar, who's quite a well known, uh, <laughs> well known journeyman on the circuit. Yeah. I've seen him, I've seen him a few times against prospects here in the Northwest in Manchester. I've seen him fight loads of different guys, and he is that type of fight. He's very unorthodox, very awkward. Yeah. So you did all right there, to be fair, to, um, to, to, to get your points victory over him. And it's good that you've obviously had that experience with two well-known fighters on the circuit with obviously Liam yeah. and Victor in your first two fights. And obviously over the course of the next year, you'll be looking to get different experiences with different fighters that have that have been in with other big names that we're aware of on the domestic scene. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's been really good to kind of get a little bit more from you to find out 
what it is that makes you tick a little bit more and, and, and what you've been doing inside the ring, what you've been doing outside the ring, the journey that you've that you've been on so far. And obviously you've got friends and family that'll that'll be listening to this interview and, and that'll be, you know, absolutely ecstatic at the fact that, you know, you've got this support behind you. Any particular members of your family that you know you want to give a shout out to while you're on uh, for all the support that they've given to you my mother, my mother and father really like they give me everything they took me took me places everything I've wanted to go training food everything is constantly my father comes to training he sits in the car which for me does everything for me funding I I think if, if I weren't for them I wouldn't be doing boxing I, I, I dread to think what I'd be doing in life did you did you ever I know it's a random question at this point, but did you ever get that consideration in your mind of thinking the Commonwealth Games wasn't for you, so I think I'll turn pro. Did you ever have any sort of doubts that you'll ever go any further with your career? Oh, definitely. When I when I finished with um Rush Boxing down uh on the Commonwealth Games squad, I thought oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do now, but then I just thought I'm gonna turn over like and then from there it's just been just up you know constantly just having good times have you ever had any temptation to just sort of turn around and go you know what i'm 19 years old i'm just gonna go out and uh, maybe live my life for a little bit oh definitely that's it's you're gonna get things like anyone who say, says he doesn't is lying really because i'm only young now and and just it's that's we got just my father father keep me on the street and arrow and it's good that you're dedicated, and that's the thing. Obviously, you've turned professional at a young age, and you've had that good amateur experience behind you. You've been in combat sports for the majority of your life, and you've you've clearly got the discipline to be able to stick at it for, for, for a good period of time. So for you, it's all about getting them learning fights this year. It's all about getting that support behind you, getting the people... You know, knowing who you are and and putting your putting your name on the map a little bit more this year. So it's been really good to to get to know a little bit more about you. Like I said earlier, and obviously know a little bit more about your journey and how you could have gone down a different route in terms of going to the Commonwealths and maybe going down that side. But instead, you've decided to go down what some might say is an even harder route, which is which is turning professional and trying to make a name for yourself that way. Yeah, this. It seems like most people just turn pro just for the just for the title and just say I'm professional, but they don't don't realize how much hard work it is, like ticket sales, training, and everything. So it's 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 harder, I'd say. Well, some people don't even make it. That's the thing. Some people no, do know. not even make it. So it's it's a difficult sport, and and anybody that steps into that ring, you know, once they've done that for the first time, they know how difficult it is. And oh, it is, definitely, it definitely, it definitely makes or breaks you as a person. And there's a lot of people, especially out there. especially with the tickets when you try to sell them, and people <laughs> say, "Oh, I can't come now," or, or and it's, oh, you just feel like saying, "No, I just bugger it." <laughs> that is one of the most common things that every fighter at your stage will say. Everybody will say the uh-huh. same thing. The worst thing about this early stage of being a professional is is obviously the ticket selling and trying to get people to commit to it and it's very difficult and I can't really put into words for the listeners how difficult it really is because you've got to go out there most of the time and physically give these tickets to people and and get that money off them to give to the promoter to cover the cost of the opponent to then try and make a little bit off it yourself and then pay anybody out that you need to potentially pay out and then also you've got the sponsorship side of the sport which you've got to try and get people convinced that 
you're a decent enough fighter and a decent enough lad to want to sponsor and, and, and want to put some sort of financial backing into. So, yeah, yeah that's, exactly. that's how hard it is. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really difficult. So, I'm really a chut to have got to have spoken to you today about you and, and your career and your journey today. It's, it's obviously only been a short one so far because you are only 19, but you certainly got a lot of time on your hands to do something. And, and it's why we've brought you on this Once to Watch series because, you know, it's good to get you at this stage of your career in 12 months, 18 months down the line, you could come back onto the episode and tell me you've had six, seven, eight, nine fights and you've potentially won a Welsh title and bigger things are, are happening next year as well. So it's been great to have you on, Jordan. I, I really appreciate yeah, your great. time. It's great. It's good talking to you. Thank you. So there you go, fight fans. That was Jordan Withers, 2-0, only 19 years of age. Fights on the 28th of March in Swansea. If you want to get him for tickets, you can find him on social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Jordan Withers, go and search him up, go and follow his journey and check him out there and give him the support he so greatly needs to get that career off the ground. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Ones to Watch podcast, please go and leave us a rating and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any of the available podcasting apps out there. If you want to follow us and get all the latest episodes, you can do so by checking us out on Twitter at Ones to Watch Pod and on Facebook on the main page, BTR Boxing Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ones to Watch, and we'll see you next time. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.